Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Astrology and You. It's been a while. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we said that last time, but <laughs> we, we've been saying that like every few episodes. <laughs> but um, luckily, we are going to be smooth sailing now for a while, and we're going to come back with more regular episodes coming out each Monday, or not every Monday, but if you subscribe, you'll know when when we release one. Yeah, just trying to get more regular content out each month because yeah, we love recording the podcast and we also got rid of Patreon in case you missed that update to focus more on the podcast. So if you're wondering where that went, um yeah, we deactivated Patreon, but bonus is that you get more podcast episodes from us. Yes, more free no- free learning. So Exactly. <laughs> Um, but also what's really special today and Alice, I didn't tell you I would say this, but it is <laughs> Alice's birthday, her solar return Aww, when we were recording you. this. Yes. <laughs> we thought it would be a good idea to record on my birthday. I'm 29 yeah. today. 29. Um, so yeah, Alice, do you want to, maybe we could actually pause to talk about a little of the astrology of 29 before we get into the yeah. astrology of February. Yeah. Um, I've. I don't know if like whoever's been listening for a while, we did an episode on perfection years a while back. So if you want to go back and look at like annual perfections, that might tell you more about like what to expect at each age of your life, just in general. But 29 is a six house perfection year. So it's really like work intensive and like get organized, like get your life together, get your health in check. Like it's just like a time where I feel like work is just like a lot more important and there's more going on there. Yeah, needing to be more efficient with your time and just having to balance a lot of different things. Yeah, and also at 29, like, I know there's all this, like, confusion over, like, what years is the Saturn return? Like, I personally count it from 28 to 30. Like, that's usually when it shows up for people. 27 is something different, so I feel like there's a little confusion there. But 29 is, like, really when the Saturn return peaks for most people. So, like, that coupled with, like, a sixth house perfection year is just, like, very intensive and, like having to put in a lot of effort but it's like you're creating foundations that will last you for the next few decades of your life like it's kind of like where do you want to be as an adult moving forward in the long term Mm, yeah I always love to describe the Saturn return as like your rite of passage into full adulthood not that you aren't already adult Alice (laughs) but no it's true it's like there were some things I was like still relying on parents for like I was like, I'm still scared to like call the doctor and like make an appointment, you know? (laughs) And it's like, now it's like, no, like I signed up for my own healthcare. Like I'm like in charge of this, like no more parents. Yeah, no. And that's so liberating too. So yeah, age 29, especially for your solar return, which we were looking at is going to be going to be a big one. Do you have like specific predictions for yourself? I do. I mean, my solar return specifically just points to like a lot of work and like, um, yeah, similar themes. I also think like writing, a lot of writing will play into that. I expect to be moving um, because the solar return moon is in Scorpio opposite Uranus Mm, and Scorpio is my natal fourth house. So it's like activating the fourth house of my natal chart. Um, And I love that too, because your seventh house, modern rulers is Uranus. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's interesting because like maybe moving in with Jesse. Yes. Moving in with the boyfriend, not for a few months though, but yeah, that will be something that happens this year. Um, and yeah, right. How literal that is. And like writing big thing. I'm not going to get more into it right now, but hopefully big stuff with that coming up. 
Yeah, so stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, that's so beautiful. I'm so excited for you with your birthday. Yeah, and it's interesting. It's during um, this Mercury and Venus retrograde. How oh, have yeah. those How have those retrogrades been for you? You like literally had a literal Mercury retrograde. You were stuck in Spain with COVID. Oh my gosh, for two weeks, which, okay, like, I was happy being stuck in Spain, <laughs> like, but yeah, I had COVID and so we couldn't go home and we had to quarantine and yeah, it was a whole thing. But Mercury retrogrades are known for disrupting travel plans and it definitely did that for us. And it's so funny, Alice, I was thinking about the, I think a couple episodes back, we did a Q&A and someone asked if Mercury retrogrades affect me more because I'm a Gemini rising. So if you're listening and you're a Gemini or Virgo rising, that's your chart ruler. And since Mercury retrograde is happening, does it affect me more? And I was just like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) you're like, yeah. (laughs) Like it's more internal. (laughs) I've just noticed it with like, like January has been so slow and like everyone I've talked to, it's like, when is stuff going to pick up? And I'm like, when the retrogrades end, like, this is just really slow time. Like you may just notice that like nothing's really happening yet. Like maybe you're in the works, something's in the works or you're like putting effort towards something, but nothing's like launching or really taking hold. Yeah, I've definitely like in in my business, I've been restructuring, rethinking, like, how can I do things differently to kind of feel more aligned or more to create more impact, that kind of thing. So that's been a literal manifestation, too. Yeah. And thank God by the I mean, I've felt that same like with work, just like work being slow, kind of like Mercury's the ruler of my second house. So stuff involving money always becomes like a anxiety producing thing. Like I'm not getting paid enough. I'm not, I'm not making enough money right now. Like that always becomes an issue every single Mercury retrograde for me. So definitely important to look at like, where is Virgo and Gemini placed in your chart? What houses are those? Cause those might always kind of feel confusing or slow for you during the retrogrades. Which happen three times a year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And also I think huge for me has been, I don't know, Alice, if you created New Year's goals, but Mm -hmm. I created a whole bunch and I put like at the bottom of my list needing to rest more. (laughs) And then I like I got COVID and I was like, oh, my gosh. okay, universe, I hear you. I need to rest. So been prioritizing that more. (laughs) That's actually like a good goal. Like I never I always am like too ambitious with the New Year's stuff. Um, I've been like seeing a lot of backlash on social media, like, oh, don't write New Year's resolutions or like, that's not, you don't need to do that. But like, I always like, I think it's like fun to like imagine what is possible for your future and like allow yourself to see like what you could be. Like if the goals aren't like lose a ton of weight or like do all like that kind of like more, I don't know, like harsh, yeah, like very like self-critical goals. Like if it's something like I really want to work with this brand or like I really want to do this with work, like write it out because like writing it out is so powerful. Like most of what I write out ends up coming true throughout the year. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You are so good at manifesting things through writing for real. Um, But no, I so agree with you and I'm so glad you brought that up because I see that too. And I am such a goal oriented person and And I just think like that's part of the human experience is to have goals and like however that looks to you, if it feels fun and empowering, then go for it. As long as it's not something you're relying on others to maybe, I don't know, 
approve of or something you know yeah 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 exactly yeah I just thought that was interesting like there's so much backlash this year I was like why yeah it's like no don't create goals for yourself like what yeah (laughs) yeah it's like everyone's worthy but if you're coming from a place of like oh I just want to be the best version of myself I think sometimes it's helpful to reassess that I mean I do that with the new and full moon every month but exactly yeah you could also do it like at your actual birthday instead of like the new year or like like you said with a new moon each month kind of taking stock um but yeah the retrogrades by the time we release this venus retrograde will be over it ends on january 29th and then as we'll get into throughout this episode mercury retrograde ends like very early on in february Mm -hmm. yes exactly so if you're feeling those themes kind of like fizzling out usually after the retrograde. So when you're listening to this, it's nice to kind of reflect on what you've learned throughout that past like cycle. Mm -hmm. Wait, one last thing to linger there. Did you, was there anything that happened with you with the Venus retrograde? Like I didn't notice it that much. I'm in a relationship, like there weren't really issues there. Um, I would say the only thing I noticed was like little to no social activity. Like I felt like I have not seen my friends in a really long time and there's like no one's like reaching out. I don't really feel motivated to reach out. It's just like odd, but I know that it'll lift. It's just like a weird feeling I've had. Mm, Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I mean, that makes sense because also Libra is your third house, which is more social. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like, I mean, I... In that respect, I feel like I'm such a hermit like all the time. Um, But no, I definitely have noticed it when it comes to like stepping more into kind of the more feminine principle, I guess you could say, which Venus is all about, like resting more, letting myself receive more and just I feel like less go, go, go kind of energy. And I think that's just been the more theme. Like I I literally the other day I bought tons of vitamins, um, lingerie, like oh my things God. like that. It's like so literal sometimes. And Venus rules your 12th house, which is like solitude and like rest and reflection. Yeah. That's interesting. So kind of restructuring what, it, what I feel like there. Yeah. Okay. So enough about retrogrades. We're sick of talking about them. Sick of, I'm sick of experiencing them, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah. One last thing that did happen in January that was pretty major was that the North and South nodes finally moved out of Gemini Sagittarius where they had been since like, I think it was like April or May of 2020. It was one of those two months. And so they had spent like a year and a half in Sagittarius Gemini, basically like when all this pandemic stuff went down and they finally shifted into Taurus Scorpio on January 18th and they'll be there for the next year and a half. Yes. And I'm so excited about this because I have my nodes in Taurus and Scorpio. So if you're listening, if you look at your chart, the two horseshoe looking things opposite each other are the nodes. If you have them in Taurus Scorpio, this might be more significant since it's a nodal return. Yeah. Yeah, and that, like, happens for everyone around the age of, like, 27, 28. Like, it just came out of that, and I feel like it's just, like, a good redirection, like, taking stock. Like, am I going in a place that's the most fulfilling to me? Yeah, I think really that overarching theme, if you do have that in your birth chart, the the nodes there, it's like a stripping away of what isn't aligned with your soul's growth, your soul's purpose, what you really, really want. You kind of realize, like, it just goals that maybe you don't align with and letting yourself kind of move away from that. Yeah. And then like, in addition, if you don't have the nodes in Taurus and Scorpio, obviously this still affects you because everyone has 
two houses in their chart, both ruled by Taurus and Scorpio, or one's ruled by Taurus, one's ruled by Scorpio. And so with the node shifting into those signs, even when it isn't a lunar or solar eclipse in Taurus or Scorpio, you still feel that transit of the north node moving through one well, the North node in this case is moving through Taurus and the South node's moving through Scorpio. So it's like the Taurus ruled house in your chart is where you're learning to grow and like become more ambitious or like put first. And this South node transiting the Scorpio part of your chart, that's where you're learning how to like release and like maybe overcome. Yeah. Yeah. And a general overarching theme, if you're curious with Taurus Scorpio is a lot about learning to really let go of what feels almost expired like it's just weighing super heavy on you and you're ready to transform and move beyond it and kind of welcoming change and newness and growth yeah yeah that'll I'm excited for that transit um like more stuff happening um yeah so I feel like that's most of what has gone on recently in January that we just wanted to touch upon um we did want to talk about how like we launched our two courses earlier in January. Yes. So, so excited. And thank you if you're listening and you got that. Thanks for your support and all of the messages. Like we just love sharing astrology with you guys. Yes. So we relaunched our um, introduction to reading a birth chart, which is really about like mastering the birth chart and like learning yeah, how to read not it. just reading it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> learning how to like really understand your birth chart because that's like the foundation from which all the other branches of astrology stem from it's like you got to understand that part first before you can start predicting or doing more intensive astrology and then we building upon that we launched a intro to reading transits course yeah yeah it finally came out (laughs) yeah um but yeah and so what's beautiful about that if you're interested in learning how to read your birth chart or read for others that is a really great course to start on the mastering your birth chart course or the applying transits if you're maybe a little more advanced yeah and transits is really that's like the core like predictive technique like how do you see kind of what phase you are in now what's to come understanding the past just understanding like life cycles and what to expect moving forward so that's that's a good one to learn Yeah, kind of what we talk about each month with yeah exactly (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. So if you are interested in that, we will put the the links below to check them out. You can get them whenever. And we do have a live coming up on March 6th. So if you sign up before then, you'll be able to join that and get your questions answered by us. Yes. Okay. Should we get into February dates? Like what's going on in February? Yes. Okay. Let's dive into it. So February, I feel like, I mean, we're starting the month really was still a lot of Capricorn heavy energy, even though it is officially Aquarius season. Yeah, it's still like Mars is now in Capricorn. Venus is stationed direct in Capricorn. Mercury is about to station direct also in Capricorn. So it's like those three and then plus Pluto, that longer transit there. It's still like a lot of emphasis and energy being put into the Capricorn area of your chart. Yeah. So again, going back to looking at where Capricorn is by sign, what planets you have there, and really getting kind of like using this opportunity to ask yourself um, what with those retrogrades, especially having triggered it, what you want to rework going forward. Yeah. And like Capricorn's obviously not the most like light and fun energy. It's definitely more about how can I commit to greater responsibilities and act more mature or 
only commit to things that I see serving myself in the long term. Um, so it can be like more of a heavy, serious energy, but I feel like honestly having Mars and Capricorn is really great for getting work done in a very like focused way. It's like your energy isn't scattered all over the place. It's really like, this is what I need to do. And this is how I'm going to get there. Mm, very ambitious. Yeah. And I, I do think that the uh, it being Aquarius season, Aquarius is much more inventive and kind of asks you to take stock of where you might need to do things a little differently, switch things up so that way it flows for you or, you know, very forward thinking. So that's kind of a helpful addition with that Capricorn energy to just make it a little lighter. And if you need to switch up your New Year's goals, like allowing yourself to do that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, what I love about February is that the new moon in Aquarius is right on February 1st. It's like we're starting off the month with this new moon in Aquarius. Yeah. And we do do all of the dates in like um, Eastern time. So if you're for that one, I think it actually is the last day of January if you're like on the West Coast. Mm, Okay. So like really late at night on the 31st, if you're like in Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. Probably. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, February 1st for most of the world. Um, Right. I'm going to go off that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah keep going <laughs> just like throwing it in yeah so like as we've mentioned before like new moons are great for setting intentions kind of like refreshing your energy however sometimes it can be like kind of a more anxious time because you feel like you're ending one chapter for the month and starting on the next and you may not know exactly like what's gonna develop over the coming four weeks but it is just like a reset for the month and I that's why I love that it starts on the first because it's like okay the first of the month it actually aligns with like a reset in astrology yes new month new moon yeah Mm -hmm. and (laughs) and I I think too with this one I we've mentioned this before but the new moon when it happens in this the sign of Aquarius during Aquarius season, it's like you'll really start to feel that Aquarius energy, as we mentioned. Um, So just kind of noting that and also really using it to kind of check in with yourself of what you want to start fresh for that next almost 30-day cycle. Yeah, so like even if you don't have Aquarius planets in your chart, like looking to the house ruled by Aquarius in your chart, um, and that's where you're getting that fresh start or the like new developments taking place over a four-week period. Yeah, exactly. And so it's really, really helpful to work with that energy, not just creating like any goal, but you can kind of zoom in there and see how can I work with this energy? So whether it's work or like changes to relationships, how can you kind of build and improve on that area Mm -hmm. of life? And this new moon's at 12 degrees of Aquarius. So if you do have any planets or angles of your chart that are right at that 12 degree Aquarius mark, or I'd also say like 12 degrees of like other fixed signs. So Taurus, Scorpio, Leo, maybe not as intense as if you had it around 12 degrees of Aquarius, but still like felt more significantly than other signs would feel it. Your that impact of that new moon might be just greater for you. Yeah. And so... Maybe taking a step back, if you're totally new to astrology, every sign of the zodiac has 30 degrees. So if you're looking at your chart, it's basically in the middle of that sign. If you have planets there, angles there, you'll feel this new moon more intensely. Yeah. Um, I was also going to say it's exactly conjunct Saturn. So Saturn's right there around. I mean, I think Saturn by that point's like like almost 15 degrees of Aquarius, um, but 
that's still like close enough to 12 degrees where that new moon's taking place. So it does have that Saturnian energy, kind of similar to all the Capricorn energy we just talked about because Saturn rules Capricorn. So it's like um, very much, I don't know, heavier, but like just this is what I need to commit to. And like, I feel like that's like a very grounding energy for a new moon to have. It's like easier to carry through on maybe any new intentions and goals. You start with that new moon because Saturn gives it that like stability and like willingness to put in the effort to make it work. Mm, Yeah. What comes to mind is being very slow and steady about your goals. So maybe you're creating more longer term payoff goals or you're creating more structure routine for yourself or self-discipline with this new moon. Um, I have such a literal example of this, Alice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't not share it. Um, So at 12 degrees Aquarius, that's my midheaven. Oh my God. And I've been having Saturn go back over my midheaven and I've been restructuring, like I was saying at the beginning, um, my offerings. And on February 1st, I was going to release readings and I didn't even put that together fully. (laughs) That's crazy. A new moon right on the midheaven line. Mine's, this one's right on my descendant line because we have like a similar midheaven. Yeah. So mine's more like relationship oriented, but that's so interesting. Yeah. So that's so funny how I I love how even when you're an astrologer or super into astrology, sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, that's going to be a big one. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, I can't wait to see how that goes. We'll have to check in with you in the March episode. Yes, I love that. Okay, so the next thing, though, after wait, wait, that new moon. One oh, last thing. Yeah, one thing I wanted to add more is when I notice when planets connect with Saturn throughout transits, like, so for instance, this new moon being in connection with Saturn, it's often like any work you've been putting off um, becomes like very pressing. And it's like, I need to do that right now. And like, it's more, it's kind of like getting through all that work that seems really tedious and boring. Um, but that like you need to do and like that will be true because after that new moon like the sun then moves up to conjoin Saturn for a few days after that so pretty much that energy of the first week of February is that sun Saturn conjunction and Aquarius being more serious like get to work accept these responsibilities do this stuff you've been putting off for way too long yeah and I yeah that it's funny that was what I was going to get into too so that ties in perfect um So with Saturn, Sun, sometimes it can be helpful if you lean into it. So maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're like, okay, so the first week of this month, I'm going to work with that energy and create structure for myself. Or if you don't kind of lean into that energy that's supporting you to get to work, it can feel really frustrating because you're kind of like bumping up against life. Does that make sense how I phrase that? Yeah, 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 definitely. It's, it's also like a facing reality. So like aside from work, if there's something in a relationship that you haven't really been like facing the, facing the reality, reality of, or like confronting problems there, this is kind of like, okay, time to actually look at like what's real and what's in front of you and how are you going to make this work? Or do, do you even want to make it work? Mm, Yes. I love how you've said that. Yeah. Okay. Do we have anything else on that? I think that's all just, I think maybe talking about maybe Mercury stationing just to, for the last part of the first part of February. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So February 3rd, Mercury stations direct in Capricorn. Um, And it had been, Mercury's been retrograde since, when was it? January 14th. So this is like the end of a three-week retrograde that went on the whole second part of January. Yeah, and... When it stations direct, you might notice that, 
I mean, Mercury retrograde has officially ended, but there is a shadow period. So you might kind of notice, even though it's direct, you're not fully in the clear. So Mm -hmm. yeah, because like when it stations direct, it'll station direct at 24 degrees Capricorn and it'll stay at that 24 degrees Capricorn for like a few days so it's moving like very slowly when it first ends its retrograde um and it isn't until mercury picks up momentum maybe like a week or so later when it it's just like okay time to get ahead with planning like things are happening again yeah so kind of I feel like honestly the energy of the first week of February feels like very get to work but also like kind of make sure your ducks are in a row with the mercury retrograde kind of transitioning out yeah, exactly. And also where it's stations retrograde is like pretty close to Pluto. Um, yeah. That's very intense. Like those two planets coming together. <laughs> uh, Mercury yeah. is like communication, how you're thinking. And Pluto is like uncovering the truth, kind of being obsessive. So this could be like maybe an obsessive thinking transit or just like intense research and like wanting to get to the bottom of something. Yes, I feel like the Scorpio part of myself, my stellium there just is almost excited for the intensity. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of gives the Mercury and Capricorn almost a Mercury and Scorpio vibe um, where it's like, I don't know. So this is like, um, it lasts for a few days. So kind of the end of that first week of February going into the second week of February, it's very much maybe taking an interest in topics that aren't normally discussed or wanting to do like self-help books or psychology or talk about sex or life and death like all those topics that normally aren't considered small talk yeah and not sweeping things under the rug I feel like Mercury when it comes to communication and Pluto just goes so deep like we were saying it's like how can I talk about that thing that maybe you got some clarity about conversations you want to have during the retrograde and now it's maybe bringing those to the surface yeah and also like uncovering truth about stuff so maybe there is information you hear about that you weren't aware of previously and it's kind of like a shock to you um I mean not this isn't going to happen for everyone but that is just one manifestation Mm-hmm. Or a collective kind of thing you might hear on the news or something. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Um, but yeah, I would also say just Mercury-Pluto being when you're interested in a topic at that time, it's like doing all the research you can, becoming like almost obsessed with figuring out everything there is to know about it. Yeah, going deep down the rabbit hole for sure. Okay, so let's transition into the second half of February. Yeah, a lot more events happening the end of the month um but yeah the first kind of more notable thing is around like the february 11th 12th and this will go from february 11th 12th until the entire end of the month so the whole second half of february is venus and (laughs) yeah venus and mars um coming into a conjunction in capricorn so they're like right next to each other and at the same degree for several weeks Yes. And so Venus is Venus and Mars when they're touching and together like that for that time, they're kind of like doing a little dance, I feel like. So it's like the Mars kind of drive to assert yourself or the sexual part of it. And like Venus also having to do with relationships or love kind of come together in different ways. Yeah. So like 
first thing I would say is maybe being more assertive in relationships or having more activity and energy to put towards dating and relationships. Like maybe it's a lot of stuff's going on with your partner or you're finally getting traction with dating. I'd say like cancer rising specifically is more likely to have the most of this like relationship activity because this is in their seventh house. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. And also maybe Virgo risings. Oh yeah, the fifth house too. Um, but yeah, then also Venus stands for like friendships and like social activities. So it could just be that that part of your life picks up a lot more. And there's, I don't know, because Mars can have that aggressive energy though. Maybe there's something you, you need to confront with a romantic partner or a friend, or it can be like a little tense or fiery. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I'm, I wanted to talk about this is because I feel like a lot of the times you'll see, oh, Mars and Venus, that'll create a lot of passion, intimacy. Um, and it can definitely manifest that way and it's more higher expression. But at the same time, like Alice, you were saying, it can kind of create that tension or heated, you know, um, relationships in your life. Yeah. And like, sometimes it might not even be like love life stuff at all. Like this conjunction could be taking place in a workhouse, like for all the fire sign risings, like Leo Sag Aries rising, like this is in your career sector and you're making money sector. So it could involve momentum getting going with work. It could not even be related to relationships at all. Um, yeah. So or like a confrontation with your boss, like a exactly manifestation. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe I'll get in a tiff with I don't have coworkers, but it's in my sixth house. So maybe there's something that I get really fired up about communicating with someone about a work project. Yeah. So definitely, again, like always going back to using this in the context of your birth chart can really add that layer of where it's manifesting specific to you. Yeah, because not going to be romance for everyone and one last thing I did want to touch upon Venus, like we talked about friendship and romance. It's also finances. So maybe just generally there's more, you're spending more money or there's more like um, social activity to spend money on. And it's like, you kind of can't keep track of like where it's all going. Yeah, no, definitely. And I almost feel like this is kind of like a time when Venus and Mars meet up. It's like almost a new moon of sorts when it comes to what I've all we just discussed, right? Because it's Mars moving slower than Venus. This happens in a cycle as well. So you might notice there's a rebirth of those themes of relationship or Mm -hmm. intimacy, Mm -hmm. whatever themes are coming up at that time. Just take note. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, overall being more assertive in relationships and friendships and maybe also just feeling energized with work and money too. Hmm. Beautiful. And then speaking of love, so (laughs) on Valentine's Day, February 14th, Mercury re-enters Aquarius. Yeah. So Mercury was in Aquarius um, the first part of January until it backtracked into Capricorn during its retrograde. Now that it's headed back into Aquarius, it's like retracing those steps. It went during the first part of Mercury retrograde. And it might be that like that house ruled by Aquarius in your chart you're getting more clarity there if you had any problems with that Aquarius house. So like, let's say you're a Leo rising like me and Aquarius is your seventh house of relationships. Maybe there was something that needed to be said with a close relationship or a business partnership, or you had, you weren't sure about like where you stood with someone. Mercury re-entering that house of your chart may give you like more answers and maybe you're just more certain of where things are headed in that part of your life. Mm, Yeah. I 
I love how you phrase that. So it's just kind of, especially after that whole retrograde, right? Just getting clarity and being a little bit more, I don't know, I, I feel like finding alignment or parallel there of what is it that you want to communicate within that area of life. Yeah, and that post-retrograde shadow phase you had mentioned a little earlier, like, I feel like this is kind of wrapping that up, and it's like, okay, now Mercury's back to full speed. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And also, it's just funny, Alice, we were talking about this earlier, but on Valentine's Day, Mercury and Aquarius is like, (laughs) I don't know, just very non-emotional, like almost wanting to kind of get that detachment, so kind of interesting there. Yeah, like the least emotionally expressive lovey-dovey way of communicating sign you could have so it'll be interesting it'll be like analyzing your romantic relationships rather than just like I guess being in it and like feeling it oh my gosh and you know well that's so interesting because it's Valentine's Day is always during Aquarius season every year right so it's interesting because I find that Valentine's Day, like some people say it's a Hallmark holiday, right? But it really is kind of this testing time in relationships where I feel like, I mean, it obviously can differ for you if you're listening and feel otherwise, but I feel like people analyze their relationship, you know, okay, where are we at? That's really interesting. I feel like I never put that together. Like, why is Valentine's Day during Aquarius season? That makes no sense. It's so interesting, it's, right? Pisces season would be like, the best for it like so romantic (laughs) like yeah they need to rethink that (laughs) yeah I love that like March 14th or something exactly (laughs) petition Mm -hmm. um anyway so that is Valentine's Day and then two days later on February 16th there's a full moon in Leo at 27 degrees yeah so full moons um like just to reiterate again like what happened we mentioned like new moon is for starts and maybe feeling low energy or like not knowing exactly what's going to happen full moon is getting awareness and like seeing progress made and being super busy with activity and connecting with others so these days surrounding this february 16th full moon like maybe as early as valentine's day and then as late as like the 18th or the 20th like that's kind of gonna that's gonna be the busiest part of february for you Exactly. So just kind of noticing that during that time, you're going to be more busy. So planning out the days, especially around February 16th to carve out more time for yourself. Because I always feel like even though it's more busy, full moons just create so much energy within us. But at the same time, it's such a beautiful time to pause and reflect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like busy internally and externally so it's like seeing a lot of stuff happen at work like maybe hearing back about something at work or seeing a project launch or it's like seeing a relationship come together and like realizing your feelings for someone or releasing yourself from someone if they're not right it's just bringing awareness to all these areas of your life and again just going back to like what house is ruled by leo in your chart because that's where the awareness is being brought to Yeah, and I think also I kind of wanted to pause too to maybe just highlight. So Aquarius season, since this month is mostly um, centered around Aquarius, like Alice, you mentioned as a Leo rising, that's a fire sign. So if you are Leo rising, Sagittarius rising or Aries, that might center around relationships. Whereas air risings, Gemini, Libra, Aquarius, it's more about understanding yourself. Mm -hmm. That's interesting, yeah, because it's like, the like for an Aquarius rising it's a lot of first house transits with like the sun and mercury there and then it's like bringing it's a kind of like striking the balance like 
oh wait relationships versus self right exactly so I guess that's where I was going with that was so just looking at those examples of fire and air signs it's kind of like if you've been feeling more of a focus on your partner then it might be like oh how can I balance this out and come back to what I need or vice versa Mm -hmm. and yeah and yeah maybe also looking at like the earth rising signs if you're an earth rising that's Taurus Virgo Capricorn that's more about work versus the water risings um more about like being in your feelings and kind of like private life versus public life so usually at that full moon you'll notice like okay I need to kind of reel it back in or strike yeah like the earth and water risings for this both have that okay balance between work and ambition versus taking care of mental health and dealing with intimate relationships like family stuff or um just like my emotional home self and then the air and fire have that contrast of like myself and like my interests versus like social commitments or dating or romantic relationships yeah exactly so I think like the full moons why I love them so much is because it gives you that opportunity to address the tension that's happening and how you can not be too extreme because I'm like a very extreme person (laughs) and so I feel like the full moons always kind of put me in check yeah and I love a full moon in Leo I mean I'm Leo rising so I'm biased but it's like a fun romantic sign like and it's so creative and like I don't it's always like more lighthearted than I find the cancer full moon is so tricky and then you come to Leo the next month and it's a lot more easygoing I feel like well, yeah, especially for you because Cancer Full Moon is a 12th house full yeah, moon true. and those are all really heavy. True. <laughs> yeah, or like Sagittarius also I feel like had a really hard time with the past Cancer Full Moon, Sagittarius Risings. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so that is enough for Full Moon. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, so two days later on February 18th, Pisces season begins. Yes. And Pisces season, as Alice, you mentioned earlier, is very emotional, dreamy, imaginative, very romantic. And intuitive. Like, it's just like your feelings become more of a priority during Pisces season. And it's interesting because you may not notice it like when you're in it. But I always notice like when Aries season starts, it's like, whoa, like this is so different from Pisces season. Like I didn't realize how like I felt like I was moving underwater or like just things were a lot more sensitive and emotional during those last four weeks. Yeah. Or even just noticing on February 18th, when the sun shifts into Pisces, if you notice the energy going from maybe more mental energy and kind of like dropping into your heart. So I feel like it's a lot more being in your emotions and sitting with them during Pisces season. And a very spiritual sign too. So like maybe you're listening to this and you get more interested in astrology or like something related that's kind of, um, I don't know, spiritual like meditation or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And also just because the sun will be there, but it's also co-present with Jupiter. So that kind of brings in, on the one hand, I feel like, yeah, like happier Pisces season, more optimistic, Alice, like you were Mm -hmm, saying mm -hmm. earlier. Yeah, like definitely more expansive energy and feeling like um, I feel like it's coming out. The sun's coming out of Aquarius where it's co-present with Saturn. And then before that, it was in Capricorn. So it's like all this Saturn energy of feeling maybe more weighed down with responsibilities or feeling like there's not a ton of time to have a ton of fun. And then it goes into Pisces 
and connects with Jupiter, which we'll get to more in the March forecast um, because it will come up right next to Jupiter in that one. But that might just be like a lot more lighthearted and fun. Yeah. So I'm really excited for Pisces season this year just because I feel like um, yeah, Jupiter just kind of makes the Pisces themes come out even more. So that will be fun. And yeah, and I also feel like because there's Pisces season is happening with both Neptune, which obviously that's kind of old news, but um, Jupiter as well. Those are the two planets that are ruled by Pisces or rural Pisces. And I just feel like that brings out this Pisces energy so much. And it's so interesting because I was noticing that since Jupiter moved into Pisces December 28th, there's been so much more like, like on Instagram, for example, people have been like impersonating me. And I feel like that's the shadow side of that Pisces energy where you kind of get caught up in things or can be more easily deceived if you're not careful. And that's also like part of that bigger transit which definitely will be addressed more in April. I feel like when Jupiter meets up with Neptune, it's like expanding. Neptune is more deception, I feel like, than Pisces so much. Um, But it's like Jupiter amplifying those Neptune themes of like not everything is as it seems. Mm, Yeah, so just I think not to like be on the edge of your seat, like wary about things, but I think it is important, like the word discerning during this Pisces season might be more helpful and through that Jupiter's transit through the spring. Yeah, like you'll be optimistic, but make sure not to go like overboard. Like sometimes the Jupiter energy can just like overdo it and you may find yourself committing to things you don't have time for or thinking like, best case scenario for everything and then being maybe disappointed when reality hits yeah and and the last last thing I wanted to mention about the Pisces season is I always find because Pisces is the last sign of the zodiac right and then the astrological new year begins with Aries season um which is in March every year that just kind of makes it so that way if you're noticing that you're kind of using that Pisces energy to close off chapters or you feel that, you know, a lot's coming up for you, just noticing that's almost your body and spirit, like clearing way for the new year. Yeah. Like it definitely feels like the ending of one cycle whenever Pisces season. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I feel that as well. So just noticing that. And sometimes I'll have a lot of ideas, but then Aries season gives me the momentum and kind of the juice that I need to like see Mm -hmm. them through. Yeah, love airy season, but we'll get to that next month. Um, <laughs> okay, so then we're getting into like the very end of the month, the last few days of February. And what's interesting about this, we talked about before we started recording, it's just like a lot of planets meeting up at once. Um, yeah, I'd say most noticeably, it's like that same Venus-Mars conjunction is still going on in Capricorn, but it's met up with Pluto now. So we have Venus-Mars and Pluto. Um, so everything we just talked about, like the Venus Mars meeting up and like romance, friendship, being more assertive in those areas of your life or addressing tension becomes even more intensified when those two join Pluto. Yeah, exactly. So just, yeah, I, I think this whole month really has this theme coming out of Mercury retrograde and Venus of being like, okay, now I've made some realizations. I've realized what kind of partner I want to be. It's like so relationship focused and what conversation I want to have. And then Maybe at the end of the month, if you haven't already, it will really ask you to use that energy and say what needs to be said or say the truth, that kind of thing. 
yeah, like uncovering information about a relationship or um, one thing I would notice like Mars Pluto is difficult aspect. It can kind of be like, um, I don't kind of like accident prone almost or like violent. Like Mars and Pluto can kind of be like, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like an example. Like there was the Mars Pluto square in 2020 um, when Mars was in Aries squaring Pluto and Capricorn. I just remember like hearing of people getting into accidents that were related to like fire or cutting. Like that could be a thing to just watch out for. <laughs> I'm like, it's so funny because I feel like I'm, I always just am like, this is the most supportive positive thing. And Alice is like bringing up the. I just feel like part. with Mars and Pluto, <laughs> like you can't ignore that difficult side of it. Obviously, like that is accidents are not going to happen to everyone. But I just always say, like, be more cautious during that time. Yeah, no, that's a good point to like bring up and obviously it does matter in your birth chart and such so maybe looking to see if you have anything in like the late degrees Capricorn for example but not to be like nervous about it but yeah just discernment as we were even talking about earlier so maybe even when it comes to like just being more cautious with your actions too and then Venus can join in with Pluto can kind of be like obsessive over a relationship so if there's someone that you're obsessing over secretly try to let it go because like that that can kind of be like an unhealthy like romantic fixation energy sometimes Ooh, and that leads me to I was going to say with this as much as it is can be obsessive I think also this represents to me with that conjunction closure and sometimes it can be like cutting people out Mm, and you know like very intense okay no I'm over that or some news kind of comes up some truth you didn't know or you see something for what it is or someone from what they are and needing to either distance yourself or really closing that chapter you know so um, that can support you if you've been wanting during Venus retrograde to kind of get over someone for example yeah that's such a good point to make Okay. Um, and then also like, so that is going on most intensely. I'd say like the very last couple of days of February, like 27th, 28th. And then it does carry into March a little bit, the Venus, Mars, Pluto. So that is kind of setting the stage for how the next month starts. Um, and then also Mercury and Saturn are, have met up at the same time as well on, yeah, those last couple of days of February. Yes, and we also wanted to note that because the moon is going to, on February 25th, enter into um, Capricorn, you might just notice starting in February 25th, things just kind of, you feel it even at that emotional level as well. Yeah, so like we said, kind of like, where is that Venus, Mars, Pluto happening in your in your specific chart? Because the moon is just going to trigger it even more um, end of February, like around the 25th, 26th, and then around the 27th, 28th, it moves into Aquarius and triggers Mercury, Saturn. Yeah. So just to summarize that part. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a lot, um, of, lot of facts. Because it is a lot. <laughs> but what like the main gist of that is there's still so much lingering Capricorn energy and there's this Aquarius energy and that will really kind of come to a head if it hasn't already. Those themes that we mentioned about Capricorn season, the hardworking nature, and Aquarius really wanting to kind of, in relationships, even innovate or switch things up or having those conversations. Yeah, I'm just seeing like with these Pluto conjunction and then the Mercury-Saturn conjunction, it's a lot of like very focused 
energy, like your thoughts are very focused on something, the way you communicate is very thought out, but could also be kind of obsessive or watching out. I feel like with Mercury Saturn, sometimes there's this tendency to like leap to the most negative outcome or like think about like what everything that could go wrong. So it's kind of learning how to pull yourself out of that too. If you find yourself fixating on something with the Pluto energy or like assuming the negative with the Saturn energy. Mm. Yeah. And with the Mercury Saturn, they're almost going to conjunct like early March. And I feel like as well as those themes you bring up, Alice, even thinking back to where we were when they last, um, like when they were about to meet up before the retrograde occurred, can be really helpful to think back at that time and be like, oh, what was happening then Um, around January 14th, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, like 13th, 12th, 13th, 14th, like very mid-January when right before Mercury Station retrograde. So like just to give a personal example, I was like finishing something that was a lot of a writing. So it was like 18,000 words. I was like finishing that up and doing a lot of editing. That's so literal. (laughs) Yeah. So like that's something where it's like Mercury, Saturn, okay, intense focus, like get something done that needed to be done a while back. Um, And just like you can't do anything else till it's over. Yeah, that's such a literal one. And I have so many examples in my head, but I think we'll leave it with that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that's the month of February, the astrology for it. And I hope you guys got a lot out of this episode and are able to kind of use astrology to plan out your month ahead. Yeah, pretty low-key month overall. Like, even though we might have said some pretty intense stuff, like February, I feel like is the most low-key out of like the first half of 2022. It's an intense start to the year, I would say, though. Yeah. (laughs) Like, there's a lot going on, like, in going into the spring too so Mm -hmm. so yeah this one's great to kind of get to work and I think key takeaway also is if there's something that you want within relationships to develop this can be a great productive month for that yes love that energy um okay yeah and then like we'll put all the information for our courses our websites our Instagram handles in the show notes so you guys can always refer back to that Yeah, so if you are interested in that, take a look there. And just so grateful for you guys. Thanks for listening. Whether you're new, this is your first episode, or you've been listening for a while, we are so grateful for you guys. Yes. Like, thank you guys so much. Um, And we'll see you next time. Bye.